This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today I got to hang out with Paula Ferris. She is the author of You Don't Have to Carry It All. This is the book we all need as working parents, specifically written for working mothers. We know that historically working mothers have been forced and expected to carry it all. And Paula dives into all this in her book. And where do we go from here? What do we do next? How do we shift this conversation and these narratives and frankly, these practices? She's the founder and leader of Carry Media. It's an organization that champions, advocates, and celebrates working mothers through content, resources, and storytelling. Paula is an Emmy Award-winning journalist, speaker, best-selling author of Called Out, and the host of the Paula Ferris podcast. With over two decades in broadcast television, Paula started her career with TV affiliates in Chicago, Cincinnati, and Dayton. And then she worked for almost a decade at ABC News, where she co-anchored Good Morning America Weekend, co-hosted The View, and launched the podcast Journeys of Faith with Paula Faris. She has reported on everything from politics, news, and entertainment to sports and faith, interviewing the likes of Reese Witherspoon, ever heard of her, Tiger Woods, Kellyanne Conway, and now President Joe Biden. She's a real champion for working moms, and as myself, a working moms who employs a lot of other working moms, I think this is just such a needed topic to dive into, the fact that we don't have to carry it all, right? We so often are, and this message is one that I think we need to not only have out into the world, but to continue the conversation going around I loved hanging out with Paula, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Head out and snag her book, You Don't Have to Carry It All. All right, folks, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with Paula Ferris. I found Paula on the World Wide Web on Instagram. I think Jen Hatmaker had shared something, and then I went down an Instagram rabbit hole and was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to her. Paula is the founder and leader of Carrie Media. It's an organization that champions, advocates, and celebrates working mothers. Just like pause, full stop. Thank you for that, Paula. Like, talk about what we need. Uh, Through content resources and storytelling, she's an Emmy award-winning journalist, speaker, best-selling author of Called Out and host of the Paula Ferris podcast. With over two decades of broadcast television, Paula started her career with TV affiliates in Chicago, Cincinnati, and Dayton. She then worked almost a decade at ABC News, where she co-anchored Good Morning America Weekend, co-hosted The View, and launched the podcast Journeys of Faith with Paula Farris. She has reported on everything from politics, news, and entertainment to sports and faith, interviewing folks like Reese Witherspoon, Tiger Woods, Kellyanne Conway, and now President Joe Biden. And casual, Paula Casual. <laughs> Paula runs no Carrie Media. No, no big deal. <laughs> Paula runs Carrie Media, Carrie Media from South Carolina, where she resides with her with her husband John and their three kids. Paula, I am truly jazzed to hang out with you because I could talk about working moms all day. Same, same. I mean, and how much time are we gonna have? An hour? That's it? Yeah, I know. I think we right? should do a series. Can we do a series? I'm here. How about for if we do it. that? I, I'm here for it too. <laughs> Why don't we just do a series on how we can support mothers and and validate them and help them to feel seen and heard? I'm down for that. Well, you wrote the series, Carry It All. I did. I did. You don't have to carry it all, Alyssa. We're trying to, but we just can't do it. That's why we're burnt out at record numbers here in America as as mothers and working mothers. So, yeah, I'm super jazzed about, um, about the book and the message and the rallying cry for motherhood. And when I hear people already saying that they feel seen and heard, I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's like that impact. That's what I want. I want mothers to feel seen and heard and valued as mothers, also validated. So um, yeah, this is the most important story I think I'll ever report on in my life. I love it. And, you know, I just, it, it it's wild because, you know, we've been work knew this interview was coming. And then last week I had, I was presenting at a conference in Palm Springs. And so I flew out. I was gone four days, maybe for mm-hmm. my almost two-year-old. And mm-hmm. I came back and it was so interesting, the conversations I was having there with other working moms. And then the conversations I was having back at home, right. with family members, with friends, whatever. My husband also went with me. My mother-in-law gave us the gift of coming and staying with our toddler. He was not asked any of the same questions that I was asked. No, like, like what? He was probably like, who's with the kids? Who's with your child right now? Who's with your, how did it feel to go away? Like, are you, you correct. I came back on a Wednesday and was going to go to work on Thursday. And there were comments and remarks about that. No one asked him. If he was taking Thursday off. I know. I know. And you know what? So much of it, it's not, this isn't a case against men. This is just like, we have no realistic measuring stick of what it means to be a working mother or a mother in America. We have unrealistic expectations. And, you know, you, you hear the term working mom. You don't hear the term working dad. You hear mom guilt. You don't hear dad guilt. You hear about the mom penalty. You don't hear about the dad penalty. You hear about the mommy gap on the resume. You don't hear about the, you know, the daddy gap. And it's just because... I think before we even 
like dive into the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's we have to change our attitudes in this country about how we view families and mothers yeah. and fathers, because we say that we're a family friendly country, but really are we? I mean, we're making it so difficult to have children in this country that we're having fewer children, which by the way, is going to impact our, our bottom line because if we don't have children, we don't have a labor force. And if we don't have a labor force, we can't grow our economy, right? So it's you look at other countries and the, not just the beautiful interdependence that they have, have and which is awesome that your mother-in-law has stepped in, but that's so normal in other countries, mm -hmm. right? You have family members living with you, but also the, the attitude from the get-go is, I am my brother's keeper. We are raising the future of this country. Um, kids are our greatest natural resource. So the entire uh, community and society, their attitudes are so different about kids and families because here, Alyssa, I mean, it's like your kid, your problem. You got you got to yeah. figure everything out. You don't get any help. You, there's barely any subsidies. Um, and so we're making it more difficult to have children. And I mean, we like I said, we can talk for hours about this, but I think it really does. Before we talk about new policies and we talk about moms just, you know, turning in the mommy martyr card and not striving for that perfectionism anymore, it really does start with societal attitudes. Like we need to get back to a country. If we say we're family values and family first, then we need to support families because mm -hmm. it's not just the right thing to do. It's good for our bottom line. I really think the true health of a nation is determined by how it values and treats families. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book because you, know, you look at all the inequities and inequalities and groups that are marginalized and mothers. It's, a, it's insane how like we're actually punished um, once we have kids, we're paid less, valued less and scrutinized more. But I really think the reason we're in the situation we're in, and by the way, that's my dog that you're hearing in the background. <laughs> Welcome, um, bud. <laughs> welcome, Addie. She she literally just decides to crash every single podcast I do. Um, but I, I think we're in the situation we're in in this country because we don't value families and we don't value mothers in the workplace, let alone motherhood in general. So that's what I'm about. That's what I'm trying to change. So. I I'm here for it. And you know, I when I got back, I wrote an Instagram post and I was just sharing how. I'm a better mom when mm -hmm. I have time to be my whole self. Absolutely. And, I mean, I also, my work in research is in emotional intelligence in kids, right? And yeah. raising emotionally intelligent kids. And the reality is that I, we created a method. We researched it across the U.S. It's five components. One's adult-child interactions. The other four are about us as the adult. And yes. we can't do this work. We can't do the work that is so dear to my heart. If we aren't able to fill our own cups, if we yeah, aren't able absolutely. to take care of ourselves, right? And mm -hmm. and as I was just like thinking about like, oh, I love this work so much. And the truth is having access to consistent, dependable, high quality, affordable childcare yep. mm -hmm. is crucial for it me is. being the best mom I can be, the absolutely. best at my job, the best wife I can be, the best friend, mm -hmm. the best partner, right? The best person, the person I want to be. Yeah, totally. And it mm -hmm. is, I had wrestled, you know, I've been a part of raising so many other people's kids, mm -hmm. worked in early childhood for a long time. I nannied, I just, I've so many things. And then when it came time for me as a mom, I was like, yeah, I want to keep working, like mm -hmm. having time away from this human 
allows me to thrive with yeah. this human. And I think we've, we've, we've vilified women that want to work Correct. too, that have a desire outside of the home. I think so much of that in my research, I found it started in the 1950s with, with June Cleaver, because that's when we did a disservice to men and we did a disservice to women. We pushed men out of the homes and said, you're only as good as your paycheck. And mm -hmm. we pushed women out of the workforce, right? And we said, if you have any desires outside of the home, you're, I mean, I, I think it was Esquire magazine, don't quote me on this, it's in the book, wrote that any wife who had desires outside of the home was was a menace. Working Working mothers were a menace. But you know, so much of the book isn't just, it's not just feeling, it's very fact-based. I did a lot of research. There's a lot of history. I talked to sociologists, historians, and I learned that the most traditional family that we've ever had in America was the family that worked side by side, the mother and the father, they co-labored, they co-produced, they raised the children together. And it was in the 1950s when we pushed men out of the home and just said, bring home a paycheck. And men are dealing with their own set of toxic messages sure. too, right? Like you're only as good as, 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 what you can bring home and you're a failure if you can't do that but then um you know as more and more women needed to return to the workforce because the majority of mothers these days are working because they have to Alyssa. Yeah. it's and so i realized i had so many blind spots about motherhood and family when i wrote this book and i was really it gave me so much freedom because not only are more and more mothers working because they have to, but 70% of mothers will be the primary breadwinner in their in the family's home for their children at some point. So if we continue to marginalize mothers in the workplace and pay them 70 cents on the dollar compared to fathers, whereas you know even mothers of color make even less than that. And if we continue to value mothers less and, and pass them over on promotions and, and deem them less viable leaders just because they've be birthed you know, the human race, we're gonna continue cycles of debt and poverty. So I, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom. That's all I ever knew. And then I felt awful. I felt very, I don't want to say I felt awful. I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and that's all I ever knew. And I carried so much tension um, as a working mom because I love my kids. They are absolutely my number one priority, but I also have to work, you know, and I do enjoy it. And um, we can't make mothers feel bad about that. And like mom guilt is, is an American thing. I learned in writing this book, other countries, they don't really even, they're like, what is, what, what is that? And if they do experience it, they don't experience it to the same extent because they have to work um, globally and they take so much pride in what they do. But like you said, childcare, like you have your mother-in-law, you have some systems and infrastructure in place. They have incredible infrastructure in place. Early childhood education starts at age two for some, and 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 you only pay 25% of it, right? So mm -hmm. there's this mentality. They support families. They support children. Children are their greatest natural resource. So it's not a burden to raise a family. Whereas here, I mean, there's a happy gap, uh, which I learned in, um, in doing research for the book. It is a stress and a strain to raise kids in America. And yes, other countries are dealing with war and famine and poverty, and I'm not saying it's easier, okay? But there's so much more support from a community level, from a policy level, from an attitude level. And moms don't really experience that guilt because they take a great amount of pride in helping to contribute. And they know that there's a village helping to raise their children as it should be, right? Totally. Well, and I think that that's the distinction that's huge is that, you know, so often here people will say like, 
it takes a village and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. but where is that village or whatever? But I think it actually starts with going back to like, it takes a village and like full stop. Let's actually take that in. That that means that when your kids are with an in-law or at childcare or with someone else outside of you, you're not failing them. It takes a village. We're not supposed to do that alone. And I, I, I think that for so many of us, we can say it, it takes a village and it's exhausting or we're, we are carrying too much. And, but then when it comes time to pass some of it off, there's guilt Mm -hmm. that comes with passing some of it off. Oh, you're weak, Alyssa. You're a failure if you have to ask for help. Right. You have to carry it all. You you have to be a mommy right. martyr. You have to be a perfect Pinterest mom or mm-hmm. we're going to shame you. You can't ask for help. God forbid you hire somebody to clean your house once a month. We're going to sure. shame you about that too. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, isn't it? And yeah, or I just... like My my neighbor's a stay-at-home mom of three, fourth on the way, and she's incredible. And yeah. we very much do life together. And oh, she, awesome. I was like, listen, when I moved in, I I was like... I'm not the human who's going to like make you food and bring it over, but you can drop your kids off in my house at any point, like whatever, like, this is what I bring to the table. I'm not going to make you like homemade bread and (laughs) right. Like this is not, (laughs) not gonna make myself homemade bread. So (laughs) she, and she was like, great. I make a delicious Irish soda bread. Like that's what I bring to the table. Uh When you're sick, uh I'll drop off soup. And I'm like, when you're sick, drop your kids off. Like, great. Yep. Totally. Tag team this. Uh, but it's that give and take of like, you still get to ask for help when you're a stay at home mom, right? Like we've mm-hmm. had, she and I have had this discussion of like me as a working That's mom so good, yeah. and what comes up for me and then her as a stay at home mom and what comes up for her of like, what can you ask for in different spaces? And um, as a working mom, one of the things that's hard for me is asking for help for more time away, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to yep. hang out with a friend or whatever. And asking for help for more time away is a tough one for me. Yeah. And I, but I love that she, you know, there's the mommy wars are real and it's the stay at homes versus the moms in the workplace. And we know all moms work, right? Totally. I call stay at home, slay at homes. I couldn't do it. I have to work, but I also couldn't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's just understanding and respecting another person's choice, but go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt. Oh no. I just ready to ask something. I, I love that. We, we basically just have this pact of like, it Mm -hmm. does take a village in between us. There's no shame in that game. That's and so good. It is the best gift mm-hmm. that I can just mm-hmm. like go next door and say like, oh my gosh, my child's driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Can I, can he come play for a minute and I can mm-hmm. pop back inside and do my dishes, listen to a podcast or whatever. Yeah. Like we can tag team this. I, but I think it really comes back to us actually believing mm-hmm. that it takes a village and that we're yeah. allowed to have a village. Yeah. It, instead of in name only, like you said, Correct. we say it takes a village, but are have we created that village and are we that village? And have we decided I can't carry it all? And actually I can carry it all, but that's probably why I'm not a good version of myself. It's why I'm burnt out, right? I'm not having a good and, time. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's one thing that I've really learned to do. It's very hard for me to ask for help because Again, we have no realistic measuring stick of what it means to be a mother, except for that perfect Pinterest mom who does it all with a smile on her face. Yay. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm I'm just miserable. I'm so burnt out from that. And so deciding first and foremost that I need to ask for help. And that is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of 
failure. I had to decide that because society is going to tell me that I am both of those things. I am weak mm-hmm. and I am a failure, but I'm just pushing back and I'm like, I need help. And I'm not ashamed about, I'm not ashamed that I have somebody clean my house once a month, you know, totally. and in other countries it's very normalized and it's very affordable. Not just childcare has yeah. is quality and affordable. Everything is affordable. American mothers are working harder than any mothers in the entire world. We are trying to do it all. We are trying to carry it all. And it's why we are just broken and burned out. So anyway, I've been traveling for work. I've been traveling for the book tour. I have so many friends that I have asked for help and I don't feel bad about it because I also know that I am that help to them. I'm like, hey, I'm going to pick up your yeah. kid from track or from volleyball and take them home. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to just bring you guys dinner. I'm going to come clean your house, right? So you, if you don't have that community, and it doesn't have to be family because God knows friends can be closer than family, you create it and you start it in your own community. You start it with your friends. You be that change. It starts with you saying, I can't do it all. I'm not going to anymore. I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to be that help to other people. But it's really, really difficult. I had a friend. I have a really good friend. She's a she's single. She's in her 30s, no kids. She loves to invest in my kids, especially my daughter who's 15. So when I was been had been traveling, I'm like, "Hey, can you hang out with Caroline? Can you pick her up from track and take her to volleyball? Can you be her Uber essentially?" Sure. <laughs> she loves it and Caroline Caroline loves it too to mm-hmm. to gift. It's it's a gift to allow your children to be influenced by other people that you trust, right? Totally. Other people that are that are sewing into them. You're all about sewing and building into their lives. It's actually so good for them. And children of working moms, like, again, my experience, I had a stay-at-home mom, so I don't know any different. But children at stay-at-home, of children of working mothers, like sons are really good partners. They're, they're excellent fathers and daughters tend to be a little more confident. So I, I, I have to just, I have to make a choice to push back against that guilt. It yeah. is very much an American thing. I don't need to feel bad about asking for help. I'm going to be that help. I'm going to drop the perfectionism. I'm going to drop a ball every single day, drop the plastic, keep the glass ones in the air. And I love that my kids, it's almost like a paradigm shift. I love that my kids have other people that get to invest in them and like sew into them and speak life into them. It's so important that they're hearing other voices besides, besides our own. And all the stats show that like children of working, working parents, you know, they tend to turn out really, really good and respectful and they're good partners. So yeah. I think it's it's vulnerable Mm -hmm. though. You know, like I, if you walk into my house right now, it very much looks like a toddler lives here, right? Like he was very, you have a toddler. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Uh And it, but it's vulnerable, right. To say like, Mm -hmm. yeah, come on into my Especially my house is messy. The, correct. Correct. <laughs> um, even my best friend the other day, we I texted her and was like, oh, we got to get out of the house. Can we come over for dinner? And she was like, yeah, come on over, whatever, making fish tacos. Great. And then she was like, disclaimer, my house looks like a bomb went off. And I was like, never, I just for the record, never need the disclaimer. Um, mm-hmm. And what can I pick up on the way? Right. Like, but it's, it's vulnerable to say like, you're going to see my imperfections because we are measuring our like messy insides Mm -hmm, up against mm -hmm. those curated, perfect Instagram shareable outsides. And I don't think a whole lot of people are sharing the story of like, 
I have to get out of my house because my toddler's going nuts in here. Can Mm -hmm. I come over Mm -hmm. for dinner? Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. totally. I think it's also in, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced that when my, when I reached out to her, good, you know, that is so good. We have to be willing to be inconvenienced. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. You that's know, good. like, but that's a real part of being a part of somebody's village. Is yes, yes. That like, you're going to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. And when I reached out to Francesca and said, can I come over for, and she's like, yeah, sure. She's going to have to make more fish tacos, right? Like the, the whole thing, like there's going to be more on her plate to do. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be sometimes inconvenient when somebody, you're picking somebody else's kid up and you're bringing them home from practice. Like there's going to be some inconvenience to that. And I think we have to accept that part of it, that it's not going to be like, oh yeah, right now I can help somebody because I found Mm -hmm. a spare 20 minutes in my schedule. That's so good. That's such a good copy. I've never thought about it like that, Alyssa. And it's not just like expect, but almost embrace the inconvenience Mm -hmm. because that's what having a village it's inconvenience and it is sacrifice, but it's the best thing for our families. It's not just good for our mental health. It's good for our kids. It's good for everybody involved. And that's really the global standard. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how they've been able to do it. And they're not carrying it all because they may have a, they their, their mother-in-law or father-in-law lives with them and helps out. You know, they're not just coming over to babysit. It's very much... Raising children is so privatized in this country. It's mm-hmm. all on us. We have to pay for childcare. We might get a little subsidy. We have to pay for everything. It's so stressful. And then at the end of the day, when our kids are old enough to work, who benefits? Society, you know, in the labor force. So like invest in our kids because they're either the future of this country or they're not. And if we don't continue to procreate, we're not going to have a human race. So, you know, don't punish us and don't scrutinize us, but you're, I love what you just said. I'm going to steal that line. Yeah. Take it and run, take it and run with it. You have to be willing to be inconvenient. That's so. This show is sponsored by better help. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good. And frankly, so hard. I love what I do. And I missed collaborating with my team while I was out. And it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash voices. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Have you ever been like scrolling the internet and there's all these like tools for calming your child and how to regulate and whatever and you try them and your child just gets amped up or that doesn't work or you find yourself in these cycles where it's like epic meltdown, try to come back from it and you just feel like you're putting out fires all day long. If this is you, you aren't alone and we collaborated with an occupational therapist to create our sensory profile quiz. This is going to help you learn about what helps your child regulate, what's happening in their unique nervous system. We are all different in figuring out what you're sensitive to or what helps you regulate is the key for actually doing this work, for getting to a regulated state, for having tools for calming down, for having tools for regulation. Head on over to www.seedquiz.com to take the quiz for free. You can take it as many times as you like for as many humans as you'd like. And we will deliver results right to your inbox to get you kickstarted on this journey. Seedquiz.com. What do you think... What do you think it looks like to make the workplace work for mothers? Mm-hmm. I've got a team well, of 10 moms, a yeah. team of 10. We're almost all moms over here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what do you think it looks like? Well, I think before we even talk about how we can give working moms the support they need and deserve. And again, most moms have to work. 70% will be the primary breadwinner. Mm-hmm. I think we have to set up the case for why. why we need to support them. And the why is more moms are working because they have to, we'll be the primary breadwinner. We don't want to continue cycles of debt and poverty, but also motherhood. There's the perception of motherhood, Alyssa, and then there's the reality. This was fascinating for me to dive into the science and physiologically what happens to you once you're once you become a parent, whether the baby grew in your heart or your tummy, you grow in empathy, you grow in capacity, you grow in courage, you grow in emotional intelligence, you grow in vision, you're a better leader, you take more risks, risks, you're productive, you're efficient. Guess what? All of that was equipped through parenthood. When parents are well-supported, they are the most efficient, loyal, and productive employees that you can find. And for we're facing serious hiring and retention crises in this country. We're not taking care of parents. When you take care of them, they're going to be one of the best employees you have. And also like 70 to 80% of the workplace is consists of parents. And then this next generation that's coming behind, they want something different than millennials and Gen Z. They'll consume almost 75% of the workplace within three years. So for companies that aren't taking care of the whole self, if they're not already facing a retention crisis and a hiring crisis, they will very soon. Overwhelmingly, employees, not just parents, not just moms, 
want flexible hours, 95% in a Wall Street Journal poll, 75% want hybrid locations. And there's creative things that companies do can do, big and small, which I document. It's actually chapter nine. I dedicate it to what, what corporations and what corporate America could do, whether regardless of the size of your company, you can get creative, offer childcare networking events, right? One company um, is trying to bridge the gap from maternity leave to the return to office. And they're like, bring your kids to work until they can, until they're mobile. And then, you know, it helps that transition uh, back to the workplace. It also gets the entire office invested in those babies because the, I mean, the harder we make it on mothers, we're going to continue to push them out of the workforce. We need the voice of mothers we need our leadership. We need our empathy and our courage. I mean, it's proven we bring something so unique and so skilled and so efficient. If you want to get something done, you ask a mom. You ask a mom, right? 100%. I mean, your efficiency just improved. A friend of mine um, who I also write about in the book, his name's John Rulin. He's a CEO. He's like, I only hire moms. They're the most underrated workforce on the planet, but you have to take care of them. You have to value them as a mother first. You can't hold them to archaic standards, nine to five. You know, it's like, sure. Sometimes she, the video is off on the zoom measure the measurables as a company. You have to be committed to measuring the measurables. And I'm telling you, you take care of a mother. She will not leave. She is loyal. She is efficient and she is productive as heck. And she'll get the job done for you, but you have to value her as a mother first, instead of scrutinizing her and, and, and penalizing her celebrate motherhood and then value what she uniquely brings to the workplace. A hundred percent. And I think that it's in practice and it's in theory, right? That like when my husband was taking off work early to take my son to the doctor to get his shots, he was a really attentive, involved dad. Mm-hmm. When I'm taking off work early to take my son to go get his shots, I'm You're not committed work. anymore. I'm not commit. Correct. And so You're it's not Cheerios. just correct. You're a risk. You're a liability. Yes. And so There's it's not the, just in practice. It's in no, theory that we have to like take in the like, yep. what is the story we're telling ourselves about this? And that's a societal message that's really American. You know, I went to, we, my family and I traveled to Europe. It was so normal to see dad's just dads pushing the kids in strollers, taking their kids out for lunch, taking them, you know, through the city. It's very normalized. They get six months paternity leave, which I think really, Alyssa, the more research I've done on it, I think paternity leave could actually do the, could be the greatest thing we can do for gender equality because out of the gate, it not only supports a, 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 a relationship with your child and improves that relationship down the road and it supports your partner and helps to mitigate post partum depression it's proven to but out of the gate it changes the dynamic and it says we are raising this kid together mm-hmm. because there's the mom default we do everything mm-hmm. right from the beginning the expectation right when the baby is born i mean my husband never took paternity leave he went back the day after our third was born and he was praised oh look at how committed he is to his job he just had a baby and i was like this is what's wrong with our society we we continue to push men out of the homes right? And push women out of the workplace. And it's just, it's, it's so infuriating. And you mentioned the double standard too, again. And again, this isn't a case against men. We need men. We need them. to. No, I think we just need that perspective for us. Yes. We need the perspective for us, but that there is something called a mom penalty, 
mm-hmm. you know, we make 70 cents on the dollar because we're no longer deemed viable leaders and we're passed over on promotions. Whereas a father, he's now, oh my gosh, he has a family to support. So we need to pay him more. And I'm like, if you really look at the science, what's happening to mothers, we just became the ideal employee. That pregnant employee that you had, she is growing in empathy and efficiency and capacity right now, scientifically growing that baby. And how we respond to our families that are on our roster goes a long way. And if we're offering a policy that we're not taking advantage of, if we're offering paternity leave and we're not taking it as a leader, I mean, that's one of the greatest things we can do for our employees is to walk the walk, not just talk it, take it, right? Pick your kids up from school. Because again, we're either family friendly in this country or we're not. And we've got to do a better job taking care of our families because it's the right thing to do, but it's really good for your bottom line. It's good for companies' bottom line. It's so good for your bottom line to take care of families in the workplace, but also what's good for the goose is good for the gander. What's good for families. It's also going to be great for the 25 year old on your roster who doesn't want a family or just wants to hang out with his dog on the weekend. It's good for everybody on your roster and you got to do it because the next generation that's coming up wants something totally different than their parents had. They demand it in a way that absolutely I'm so jazzed about, like Mm -hmm. so jazzed about. The four-day work week. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's ways you can do this without it being detrimental to your bottom. Like, that can actually be yeah. profitable. The four-day work week's been transformative, and everyone's more productive, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, we got to reassess. We have to reassess our infrastructure, our work infrastructure. We have yeah. to. So Yeah, and what it means, it, I studied abroad in Austria when I was 15 and then have maintained good friendships over there. And Amazing. Actually, yeah, so lovely. And one of my oh. best friends from America ended up going over and meeting one of my Austrian friends. They now have two kids. She lives in Europe. And so we, and we have had kids like in alignment with each other. Uh-huh. We were pregnant together, whatever. And tracking her journey through pregnancy and mm-hmm. as a working mom in Austria versus what my experience was in the States. And then my Austrian friends and just their perspective and approach. And one of my best friends in Austria was a teacher, gives two years off, um, not fully paid the full two years, but a nice chunk of it. Uh, and she's stayed home parent during that time. Mm-hmm. And I went over with my husband and we visited and her mother-in-law was coming to spend the day with her kids. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, what's going on? She was like, oh, she just, she comes every Wednesday. And I was like, oh, that's rad. Like, why? That's awesome. Yeah. And she, I was like, <laughs> why? And she was like, when else would I like have all my appointments or take time for me or get things done or whatever? It was so just like that. It was a duh thing for her. She was like, when would I it's do It's not selfish. Things? No, we're selfish if we take time for ourselves. For her, it was like, I mean, of course that's what happens. Like she literally was like, when else would I do all these things? And I was like, God, Mm -hmm. I love this. I do too. It's a paradigm. It's a total paradigm shift. And it is not selfish and it's not weakness. And that's why they're so much healthier mentally. Yeah. Wow. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. That's mind-blowing. You know, when I um, one thing that kind of blew my mind when I totally nerded out in Chapter 3 and talked about and researched, like, the history of American families, mm-hmm. um, like, I learned that in World War II, so when the, when our GIs came back from the war and the women had been in the workforce to fulfill the labor force, right, because the men were away, the women were then pushed back homes and the men were given their, the GIs were given their jobs back. And, um, and that's when we had this like bifurcation and we thought it was going to be a good thing. It just kind of backfired because we, that's sure. when we started pushing men out of the home. It's kind of, it's evil what we did to men. And that's when it really started. Separately, if you look at what happened in Europe post World War II, and this is probably like your friend is benefiting from this, they had two major crises after the war. They lost all their men and they lost all their laborers because the men were the labor force. So they turned to women and they needed the women to fulfill the labor force, but they also needed women to procreate and have babies because they lost all their men. So they're like, we need women to, to, labor we need them in the labor force but we also need to make it sustainable and we have to incentivize them to stay in the workforce Mm -hmm. so that's why they have these incredible early education policies Mm -hmm. and huge child care subsidies and why it's a total like it's just a paradigm shift it's not it's it's not as much of a stress and strain to have children in other countries because they're all invested in it and it's just really fascinating for me to see like one point in time the diverging uh, you know, the lanes, the mm-hmm. diverging directions. Like we went one way in America and Europe who does a really good job taking care of families. Yeah. They've got their own issues, economic totally. issues too. Totally. Right. But like, but that's where things really started. And it's, and so it wasn't like they, Europe did it out of the good of their hearts for moral <laughs> reasons. They're like, we have a crisis. We need women. We need them in the labor force and we need them to procreate. We got to, and they got to stay in the labor force. So they just, they just happened upon it. So, well, it's it, what's happening now, right? With the four day work week, with mm-hmm. um, prioritizing moms finally. It is yes. these, this, this new generation, like, mm-hmm. love this, that they're mm-hmm. saying, like, no, this is what we need to continue to stay and work. Yep. 
and I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that we want that, that this next generation wants something different. And if we don't listen to them, we won't be able to grow our business. Mm-hmm. We won't be able to grow our economy. They want something different. And what's good is that we've seen that the different, what they want works. Right. We There's forced. research to support it. There's so much research to support it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I all of these uh, return to office memos, and look, there's some there's some industries that can't do it. You know, sure. education. Although some educators and some schools are are contemplating four day work weeks, um, four day school weeks. So, but there's some real creative ways that you can incentivize. My going back to my friend John Rulin, mm-hmm. who's the CEO, he um, pays for house cleaning for all of his employees twice a month. Mm-hmm. But but he knows if he gives the moms a stipend, they'll spend it on groceries or on their kids. So he's like, you pick out whoever you want to clean your house. I'll reimburse you for it, which I think is genius because (laughs) he knows that moms, we always put ourselves last in this country. He'll pay for the summer camp for, for the children of his employees. I love that summer camp. Can we talk about summer camp for the love? Um, I know, seriously. So I mean, and, and and his retention rate is a hundred percent. Oh, I bet. Can I work for John? Yeah, I know. I want to work for him too. John, will you hire me, please? Because I don't, because being an entrepreneur and founder of a media company carry is, it's more than I can carry right now. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Oh, no, that is genius. And I love it. And yeah, I mean, I, my background's in early ed, right? And direct Mm -hmm. service, we got to get creative. We already can't afford in early ed right now, teachers and all that Mm -hmm. money's coming out of a parent's pocket. And as it stands right now, yeah, that burnout's going to continue. And now we have a childcare shortage. And I'm so proud of early childhood educators for saying, I'm not going back to those conditions when Absolutely. we were pulled out in COVID. And I'm I'm so proud of early childhood educators for taking this stance and saying, no, you're going to have to pay me more than $12 an hour. You're going to have yeah. to support me in so many other ways. And I hope that it is really going to be a culture shift like we're seeing in so many other workforces um, that allow us in those of us in direct service Mm. like teachers to also have flexibility and support Uh, well who who is speaking i mean who has so much influence over our children are their teachers right and what has blown my mind in a lot of this research is teachers are what 75 to 80% female. And yet the majority of states and districts don't offer paid leave. My friends who are teachers are like, Paula, I had to dip into my sick days, try to accumulate as many as I could. And because they don't get any paid time off. Correct. Um, And then they were paying their subs while they were out, or they were timing their pregnancies around summer break. And and it's no surprise that only one in 10 teachers are recommending the profession to others because we're not taking care of them. And there was a um, a video that went viral from the Oklahoma legislature not long ago. And the legislature, this isn't a red versus blue issue to me. This is like, let's support families. And there were politicians from both sides of the aisle. It's it's like, our kids are greatest natural resource or not. Mm -hmm. Are they our future or are are they not? And they were describing whether or not they were going to give paid leave to state employees, aka teachers. They didn't want it to be a utopia. 
They didn't oh, I want saw to that. Oh, pay them God. for vacation mm-hmm. time. And I'm like, have mm-hmm. you had, have you pushed a child out of your vagina? And guess <laughs> what? I'm not afraid to call it a vagina because I think we also have to do a better job of being real. You talked about the real real and you talked about the 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 curated posts. We have to do a much better job of 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 being vulnerable mm-hmm. and saying this is what's actually happening to me instead of posting our bounce back baby photos oh, three days yeah. after we had a baby. Sure. I'm sorry. That's an no, would you like to see all the fluids from all my holes yeah. right now? How yes, you exactly. <laughs> no, thank you. Totally. I mean, so we also have to do a better job of inviting other people into the conversation mm-hmm. because we've done such a great job of curating it and making it something that it's actually not. It's actually really tough, you know, but we're actually, we were equipped with some incredible capabilities that we didn't have beforehand, but we've got to be honest about it with ourselves and with others. We have to be vulnerable and that can be really, that can be really hard to do, but it does. We do have such a say in it. And often, you know, I, when I first came back from work, after my first, you know, one of my male colleagues, he was a young single man, asked how my vacation was. Oh, yes. And I was so angry and hurt. And I tried to sanitize my response to him. I document it in the book. Um, and you don't have to carry it all. And then the more I thought about it, like years had passed. I'm like, I wish I would have. I wish my response had been a little different. And I, sure. and they don't know what they don't know. Because I, I also, I realized I had do have a part to play in this. Now I'm not sure I'm, I'm, Mothers are definitely marginalized, so I'm not blaming the marginalized community here at all, but we do have a part to play in inviting people into the conversation. They don't know what they don't know. We have to be real about it, so. Yeah, even down to like, I, when I was in my first trimester with Sage, I was just, you know, so exhausted and Mm -hmm. I had shared something on social and on Seed and I was like, oh my God, I'm just like so beat, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. people just started submitting stories, like a kindergarten teacher who was like, I fell asleep at my desk at one point and like a kid woke me up. Like I just literally couldn't stay awake. And like all <laughs> these like stories of first trimester yeah. stories. And and I was like, wow, we're doing this in silence, right? Like mm-hmm. right from the minute yep. that we're like, we're pregnant. It's like, first of all, don't tell anybody because what if you lose it? You don't want to put mm-hmm. that on anybody else to have mm-hmm. to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, God forbid anyone feel uncomfortable. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You should carry this in silence. A. Uh-huh. B. Uh, you are going to feel exhausted. You might be throwing up every single day. You can't eat a single thing. And also just move through the world as if none of that is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, I know from mm-hmm. the jump. Yep, right from the beginning. Yeah, and 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 it's we, but we've been programmed to do that, Correct. Alyssa, because we're if it, I mean, there's statistics that show and research that shows if you reveal you're pregnant, you're less likely to get hired. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the discrimination starts right away, and that's why I'm like, okay, before we talk about how we're going to give mothers support. We need to make a better case for why, why Mm -hmm. it's important and also what it has done to us scientifically to make us incredible human beings. Again, whether the baby grew in our heart or our our tummy, it has made us a baddie and Mm -hmm. we, we have to, we have to know that and we have to advocate for it, but we, we need, society needs to know that we, we're not counting Cheerios. We're not a risk and a liability. We're not less committed. The science and research actually shows the total opposite. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think moms need a rebrand. We just do. 
I love it. I love it. So your book, you don't have to carry it all. Mm -hmm. What's your one hope if you Mm -hmm. were like, oh man, every hand that this lands in, here's what I hope for. I, my greatest hope, you know, the, the intent is the, the how and the why we can give mothers the support they need and deserve, but I want mothers to feel seen. Mm -hmm. I want mothers to feel valued and validated and empowered. I, my greatest desire is that this book is a hug and a sword that it, that you feel seen and validated and heard. And that finally somebody is saying it out loud, but you also feel empowered that there is a better way forward. And here's Mm -hmm. how we're going to get there. You know, as a journalist, I, I, it's really important that I just that I don't just, you know, report on the awful and tragic news. I want there to be, there's a silver lining. The the, the sun is coming up tomorrow. There is a better way forward. And so that's like, the book is helpful and it's hopeful. It's a tool belt. It gives you, it empowers you. Um, So that's my greatest hope though, is that moms feel seen and heard and valued and then empowered at the end of the day. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you for writing this. Thank you for putting it out. I literally like Jen, I think it was Jen had shared it and I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, excuse me, what? And then my deep Mm -hmm. dive into you on Instagram. (laughs) uh, How did I get here? Correct. It was one of those where I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't like accidentally double tap this post because I'm so (laughs) far back. She's going to for sure see. Oh, it's so good. It's so real. Oh. And I was like, oh, I love her. I can't mm. wait to chat. Thank you so much for this message. It's crucial. It, I yeah. feel seen in it, right? Like that, that's all that matters. Oh. That's really all that matters. And it honestly is the most important story I'll ever tell, you know, mm. as a mom, but also as a journalist, it's the most important story I'll ever tell. And I'll never get over the honor and privilege to beat the drum for mothers and motherhood. So I love it. It's amazing. Where can people find you, follow yes. you, learn more about you? I'm I'm easy to find on Instagram. Um, DM me, reach out to me at Paula Ferris. Um, I think I have a Facebook page, which I sometimes post, but don't, but Instagram is the best one. You can get the book anywhere it's sold. It's, it's been the number one new release in motherhood since it came out. And so that's a testament that the book mm-hmm. is resonating and, you know, get it for, uh, one of my friends, she has three kids. She's like, I wish I would have read this before I had kids. Correct. It's and a great baby I, shower I, gift. It's a great baby shower. It's a great Mother's Day gift for any mother in your life. And also like, it's an invitation to some, to men, the brave men that want to, we can't do this on our yeah. own, Alyssa. Like the marginal, marginalized people can never create a movement of change Correct. without inviting other people into the conversation. So I have a whole chapter dedicated to how we can invite men into the conversation. We need them as allies and how corporate America, can, how we can invite them into the conversation. So, um, you know, I encourage you to just, it's, like I said, it's, it was my honor to write, but I realized I learned so much in writing this book about motherhood and families. And um, I'm just so proud to be a mom. <laughs> I am yeah. so proud, but I'm more determined than ever to change the game for motherhood after writing this. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. 
If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.